You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and I've got my co-host Curtis here with me today. And today on the show, we're going to focus our attention on the Georgia basketball program. I know spring football practice is well underway. We actually had the Georgia Pro Day here in Athens, had a lot of NFL personnel here in town. So I know that attention is certainly back on football here in the month of March leading into April as well. But college basketball also takes the forefront here in the month of March as we enter the NCAA tournament and the Reality is, we just don't get a chance to talk much Georgia basketball on this show because, well, really, we're usually not that good. And most fans are completely checked out by, I don't know, mid-January or so. But now with the arrival of yet another NCAA tournament with the Georgia Bulldogs, nowhere to be found in the bracket, of course, if we don't take a hard look at this program this week, right now, while March Madness is taking over the sports world, well... We're probably never going to do it. It's just not going to happen. So the plan today is to look at this basketball program, this Georgia Hoops program, from every angle. Of course, we're going to discuss the successes and failures of the team this season, but we're also going to look towards the future and discuss where this program goes from here and, and how or if we can ever become a factor in the college ball landscape. We'll talk personnel. We'll talk coaching. We'll talk recruiting the whole nine yards, everything about Georgia basketball, that's the focus today. But before we talk about the men's team, don't look now, but we do actually have a program that did make it to the NCAA tournament this season. So I would be remiss if I just completely skipped over Joni Taylor's Lady Dogs. The men's hoops team might very generously be mired in perpetual mediocrity, but the Lady Dogs have had a heck of a season And after their run to the finals of the SEC tournament a few weekends ago, which we covered last week on the show, they were awarded with a three seed in the NCAA tournament on Monday night, which is where I thought that we would end up. And I honestly, I don't hate their draw. And look, I'm certainly not going to purport to be an expert on women's college basketball because I just don't watch anywhere near as much of it as I do the men's side. I watch Lady Dogs, but that's about it. But 
I know enough to be glad to see that we avoided UConn and also South Carolina in our region. I know that Stanford, they're the one seed in our region. They're really good. They've been one of the top teams all season. I haven't seen them play, but I know they've been really good all season. It's going to be a tough matchup if we get that far. But South Carolina is also a one seed I didn't want to face because they match up with us really well. If you guys watched that SEC tournament championship game, we've already lost to them twice. And we did play them tough in Greenville a couple weekends ago. But that's just a team, especially with their pedigree and Don Staley as a coach. That's a team I would just rather not have to play again for a third time. And let's take our chances with a different team like Stanford, right? I mean, Stanford's really good, but let's take our chances with them. So we avoid UConn, we avoid South Carolina. So I feel pretty good about that. I'd say we also ended up with probably, I mean, arguably, but I would say probably the weakest of the two seeds in Louisville. That's very relative, of course. All two seeds are good teams. But if we have to end up facing a two seed in the tournament somewhere, I think Louisville is probably the one that we want to play. But to open things up, we've got Drexel in round one on Monday at noon. I'm not thrilled with the games at noon because I would love to be able to watch every second of it. And I'm not sure I'll be able to, given that I will be at work Monday at noon. But I'll give it my best shot. And if we win that game, we potentially have a matchup with Oregon in round two, which is a game that, again, I think we have a great shot to win for a spot in the Sweet 16. I love our depth. I love our guard play. I love Jenna Stady down low. She's a beast, and our guards really compliment her well. Girls like Gabby Connolly, Maya Caldwell, Q Morrison, Coombs, all those guards can absolutely play. They have different strengths to their game. Morrison's a shutdown defender. Gabby Connolly kind of runs the team. Caldwell was a big-time scorer in the SEC tournament, so we got a lot of options there. And again, you match them up with Jenna Stady down low. I love that combination. And Joni Taylor has been up for just about every single Coach of the Year award there is in college basketball this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Even if the guys aren't in the tournament this year, like, well, that's nothing new. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch the Lay Dogs play, and I really hope they make a deep run in the tournament. So good luck to the Lay Dogs. I will definitely be rooting hard for them over the next couple of weeks. But all right, let's move on to the men's program. And here's where I'm going to bring Curtis into the equation. Curtis, obviously, people are upset that we have missed out on the tournament yet again. Surprise, surprise, right? For the third consecutive year under Tom Green, he has still yet to take a Georgia basketball team to the NCAA tournament since his time here in Athens. We actually, this is crazy. Maybe it's not crazy. Maybe this is what we all should expect because it kind of just is our reality. But we actually only have five tournament berths this century. So I think the best place to start this conversation, Curtis, is by asking you very simply, what are like realistic expectations for the Georgia basketball program? I know obviously people aren't satisfied right now with where we are, but what kind of result should we actually be satisfied with at this point? I mean, realistically, you see the success that other programs are having when they hired the right coach. It's hard not to think that why can't we do it? I mean, you look at that, especially Alabama. They, they're they probably the only team in the SEC that has a worse home arena than Stegman Coliseum. And, you know, forever people tried to blame that on why we couldn't recruit, why we couldn't win. And yet Alabama goes out there, wins the SEC regular season and tournament championship while recruiting at, you know, with, you know, substandard facilities. So I think the biggest thing is that we should have the expectation that we can at least make the tournament year in, year out, because other programs are that don't have anything better per se and don't have a rich history of being good. Yeah, Alabama is is the program that obviously this year with how good they've been, I mean, what they they lost two But even last year in their first year under Nate Oates, they were a a much improved team that was hard to beat. 
And you're yeah. seeing it with Tennessee with Rick Barnes. I mean, yeah, their stadium's pretty nice, but realistically, he's taking them to heights that they've never been at. Even Auburn, Bruce Pearl, like these programs that don't have a you know a deep history of being good, made the right coaching hire, and all of a sudden, there's change. But you're you're right, and Nate Oates is the example everyone's wanting to use right now because obviously, like I said, they, they've been great. You pointed that out. They've been really good this year. I mean, they're a two seed in, in, in the NCAA tournament, made strides last year when there was no NCAA tournament, and he had that success very quickly, whereas Tom Crean, three years, actually been here in Athens a year longer than Nate Oates has been in Alabama, and we haven't even come close to sniffing the tournament. While Alabama not only has sniffed the tournament, they are a contender in the NCAA tournament this year, and I get that, but I, I, I would – I'm not going to say I'd push back, but I think there's some context there. Like, no, Alabama has not been like a Kentucky-level team, but Bama has had far more basketball history and success than we have ever had. I mean, they're, they're the second winniest program in SEC history behind Kentucky. So, like, they're not a powerhouse, but, like, they're a, they've traditionally historically been a pretty good SEC team. And plus, Avery Johnson left them a lot of talent where I think that well, yeah, team was see, really kind of hit yeah, the ground that's running. That's where I'm going to push back a little because, yeah, Avery Johnson ha- did leave him with some talent. But if you're looking at the recruiting classes that Nate Oates is putting back, putting together is what's sure. more impressive to me. Because, yeah, Cream got Anthony Edwards, but outside that, who has he gotten? And no uh, Oates, Severe, I guess. Oates in back-to-back years is signing five stars left and right. So I, that's where I'll push back with that part about the cupboard not being bare. I'm, I'm going to push back on his continuing. Of yeah, I think that's fair. Hey, I think Nate Oates is a more – let's just be real. Nate Oates is a more dynamic personality than Tom Green. I mean, I don't, and we'll get to the Tom Crean conversation. Like, should he stay or should he go? We're definitely gonna get to that here shortly. But I just, before we got there, I just kind of want to look at like what, like what should we expect as Georgia fans? Where should we be? And you make great points, like Alabama, like they're making the tournaments. I, I agree with you. I think that we should expect to be in the tournament conversation. I mean, if you're I, not, if you're not expecting to be in the tournament, why are you out there? If you're yeah, not, why are you don't... even trying? I, I, like that, that's the bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But and I, the way I look at it, maybe this is just me. I look at it as like short-term versus long-term expectations for our program. Like in the short term, I think the realistic expectation should be we make the NCAA tournament. Not be in the conversation, not be on the bubble, but miss out. I think we should be in the NCAA tournament, all right? And I know that that's a huge step for this program, honestly. And it's kind of sad to say that. That's where we are. But just getting in, even like as a 12 seed, 11 seed, I don't know. That's still a huge step. I mean, honestly, being on the bubble at this point is a huge step for this program, and that makes me want to cry. That's just where we are. But I think realistically, like you said, with some of the advantages that we have here recruiting the state of Georgia, we have a ton of talent in the state of Georgia. We're the flagship university. I know tech is more of a factor in basketball than they are in football, but there's, I mean, still, there's a ton of talent to go around. And not only, but they're not really just really going to tech necessarily. Some of them are, but they're going to Auburn. They're going to Tennessee. They're going to Alabama. They're going to all the – I mean, heck, UNCG, UNC Greensboro's best player is from the state of Georgia, Isaiah Miller. That guy's a stud. You don't think we could use him this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. They're going to Florida State. They're going to places like that. We're not really in the conversation, except for maybe a, a random guy like Anthony Edwards here and there. Some of those guys just want to stay home. But we're not keeping that talent there. But we have some advantages. I think making the tournament should be the bare minimum. Now, long-term, I want to be a perennial tournament team that – contends for SEC titles, makes a deep run every couple of years. One thing I would say, like, on, on the expectations, and sometimes I do feel like Georgia fans, like, we get ahead of our skis when it comes to, like, our expectation for the basketball program. I, I agree, Curtis. I do think that we should have the expectation of getting in the tournament. But, I mean, do you, is it realistic right now to expect, like, hey, next year we're going to be Alabama and make a run as a two-seed? Like, is that really realistic for us to think about right now? Oh, heck no, because we have, like – 
our talent is abysmal. Abysmal. I don't know if I would go abysmal. It's not. I good would enough. go abysmal. We can't. We don't even have a strong starting five. It's not good enough. I mean, you're, uh, there are. You're right. There are plenty of mid-major programs who have far better. Well, and especially considering leaders. some of two of the or three of the guys that we have getting a lot of our minutes were, were grad transfers or transfers coming in. So it's not even like yeah. we had young talent, which is the, the scariest part. And that's a whole other issue. Like Tom Crean just whiffed on the grad transfer this year. I mean, look, a lot of teams in college basketball, they like it's it's this has been the norm for a while. You rely on transfers in college basketball. It happens year in year out, even with the best programs. We see that every single year, almost every team's got somebody that's transferred in. But you got to hit on those guys. Like when you bring those guys in, they've got to hit. They've got to be impact players. And none of those guys were. In fact, some of those guys, like Jonathan Ned, you even know that name. How many of you even know that name, Jonathan Ned? This guy we brought in, Michael Starks. I mean, this guy played maybe two minutes a game. Most of the time, didn't play at all. Those guys, we I, I will say, we wasted scholarships on them. Like I, it, it, that's a problem. He just missed on the transfers this year. The recruiting class coming in this year, outside of KD Johnson, was an abject failure. And you mentioned that. We'll talk about that a, a little bit more when we get to more with Tom Crean. But yeah, we, we it's not realistic right now. But I think long-term, that's where I want to be. But to get to those long-term goals, we've got to hit on these short-term goals, which is right now, as unfortunate as it may be, is just getting in the tournament. I think right now we need to be happy with making the tournament because that would represent progress, I guess. Um, it's, again, sad that's where we are, but that is where we are. And I think we, as Georgia fans, just need to, like, I know we, we always want to think that we're, like, I think sometimes we have a sense of thinking that we should be better in basketball than we are. And it's good. You, you should aspire to be better. But sometimes I think we don't, as a fan base, fully realize where we are and just get, the, get in the tournament Take those baby steps, and then we can start talking about moving to that next level, which is ultimately where we want to be. I just, I don't know. But You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Let's talk about that, Curtis. So, if getting the insulate is getting the tournament is the most immediate goal for this program. How far away from doing that are we? You just said that we have an abysmal roster. Like, are we even close right now? Absolutely not. There's not one. See, when you look at college basketball, teams are either really good in one area or good in both. Like, I'll give an example, Alabama and North Carolina. Alabama is a team that lives and dies by the three. You look at North Carolina, they're an average shooting three team. Maybe, maybe below average. average. Yeah, below average, realistically. But they have dominant inside play. So a lot of these teams have either or. We don't have – not. we have neither. We don't even have a a three-point shooting – any three-point shooting. No size, no shooters. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like until we get at least, you know, good and, uh, you know, above average in just at least one of those categories, we can't do anything. 
I don't disagree at all. Here's like, here's what I have in my notes. And it's, it's like, Hey, we're only a few shooters away, but I mean, I think that's true. Like we are, we are shoot a few shooters away, but what signs do we have to think we're going to be getting any shooters on this team to fix the problems? None. I mean, realistically, you see it that um, severe Wheeler, he has to shoot threes now because people aren't going to let him drive on you. And he's, he's actually just terrible. Dude shoots Um, 22% from three. Yeah, and half the time I feel like a blindfolded person could put up better shots than what you see out of him. Um, Kamara, he's a hit, he's hot or cold, and he's also just highly inaccurate, um, and he's weak. And you just all throughout the court, you know, where we need these people, we are not even close, except for Katie Johnson, who could become a three point shooter. But as we've seen with past George teams, where we've had Tyree Crump and some of these other guys who are, you know, good three point shooters, we need more than just one. You got uh, look at the best. Uh, look at Baylor. All right, Baylor's a one seed. Baylor shoots over well over 40% of the team. They have four guards that can absolutely shoot the ball lights out. They're not big down, down in the post. They don't even really have a post person. They just have guys that can shoot the basketball and they can create off the dribble, dribble penetration, kick to the shooters, and they are really good. And they play good defense too. It's not rocket science, guys. It's really not. Like in the modern day of college basketball, really just basketball in general, like you got to shoot the ball. You've got to have shoots, especially in the tournament. It's all about guard play. It's guard play and defense. And right now our guard play is, I don't know if I would say abysmal. I think Wheeler has strengths. Wheeler is good in certain areas, but as a shooter, he's, he is abysmal. Like, I mean, again, the dude is shooting. He shot 22% from the field this year. I'm sorry, 22% from three. 22%. And it's not like he would only shoot like once every couple of games. The guy would jack up three or four a game. Well, like, what kills me What kills me is you really haven't seen an improvement from year one to two under him. Like, I know you saw, COVID. You shot 32% last year. I mean, especially with COVID hitting, all you could do is sit there and just shoot by yourself. And I, so I don't know what he did during COVID because he sure as heck didn't get any better. Dude shot. Yeah, let me make sure I got these numbers. Shot 32% last year, shot 22% this year. I, I don't know, man. It's, I mean, you can say, well, you just got, you went through a cold spell. He went through an entire season of a cold spell. And like, I hate beating up on the guy because he's, he is our, the engine to our entire offense, but guys got to learn to shoot. He's got to learn to shoot. And it's not just him. We have to have, we just got to find more shooters. That's priority number one for Tom Crean this year in recruiting. Go out. If you're going to go get grad transfers, that's fine. Go get transfers that can shoot the basketball. If they can't shoot, don't recruit them because we already have enough guys on the team that can't shoot. We have got to get shooters. So get shooters and then get some size down low because Kamara, I mean, Kamara, you you, kind of called him soft a little bit there. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think he's a good shot blocker, but like he's not going to body up in the post. His post defense is rough. I mean, most of the time we were having to put P.J. Horn down there to to defend our opponent's best big man because you're right. Kamara a little small. I don't want to say maybe soft down there, but he's also playing out of position. He can't, he's not a five. He's not a five. He's a four at best. Uh, maybe even like he's a guy that wants to be a three, uh, but probably a, he's probably a power forward. But I know we got to get some size, got to get some shooters. But I don't know, Kurt. Like if, let's say we go out and we find, let's say we get one more guy out there that can shoot, like, let's say like a 40% clip. All right. So if you get a guy that's a 40% shooter from three, Katie Johnson comes back. He shot almost 39% this year. She so got two guys right there. Let's say, cause Kamara showed that he can hit threes. Now he shoots sub 30% too, but if he, let's say he improves like a 33, 34% shooter. Is that enough for us to make a run towards a tournament? No, because until severe Xavier Wheeler becomes more of a shooting threat, it doesn't. 
because it's hard to s- s- spread the f- uh, court when he's so one dimensional. Well, so, uh, all right. So I, I, I see what you're saying. And I, and then teams play off of him, right? That's what, that's how they, they started defending him late in the season. It's like, just give the guy two steps, play off of him. Cause he, he'll first off, if you play off of him, he'll take the shot. Like because realistically, can, can no matter the good three point shooters you have, you have to have good ball movement. And if we can't get yeah. the ball moving and penetrating and dishing out, which is if you watch Auburn, all the Alabama, all these teams that hit the open threes, it's for, uh, from penetration. A lot of it is penetration dishing out, and yeah. you can't do that if if they don't respect him and, like you said, play off and force him to shoot. But I still, even though they they do play off of him, he still gets into the lane at will. Like he does. I think, and that's why I say I don't know if he if, if we can get better shooters around him. I don't think he has to be an elite shooter. Now I would like for him to be above thirty percent because that's I mean I'm not ridiculous. asking elite, but he's got to be above thirty closer. He's got to be above thirty percent. You can't play college basketball and be a, a guard in college basketball and shoot twenty two percent from three. You just simply cannot. Like you can't like that. You just can't. Yeah, he he just can't. But like, but I think if we get like three or four guys around that can shoot, we already have KD. I think Kamara can be a guy like that. Uh, I don't know if Kyer's coming back with the COVID rules. I don't know if PJ Horn's coming back. I don't know. Those guys are okay-ish, but they're not the answer. If we can put another guy or two around Wheeler that can actually shoot the ball and be a threat from distance and spread the court – I think he like he showed he can get into the lane really at any point he wants to, and then that can draw the way he can finish over guys that can draw the defenders, and then he can dish it off, and then that you know you create three point opportunities for your opponent for your teammates, and then if they don't want to help off the off off the shooters in the corner or wherever, that he can finish over the top of guys. I think that can help. So I don't think he has to be a great three point shooter, but I agree. I think he needs to be like he's got to be above thirty percent. Like you just you've got to be. But I mean I I don't know if we're I know it seems like we're really far away. But I don't know. I, mean, I think Katie is to me. Katie Johnson is a flat out alpha dog. I, I love this guy. Can he be like your number one scoring option for a team? Oh, easily. He's strong. He's one that can play closer to the rim, you know, driving wise, because he's so bulky and wide up there, up top. And he's just he, he's a shooter. He just needs to become more consistent. But he he has shown it. I love the guy. I mean, I love his attitude, the way he plays, his competitive fire. I love it. Uh, and he, you're right. He's he's not big. He's like six one, but he's thick, man. He's powerful, and he is physical. I love the way the guy plays. He competes so hard on the defensive end. Uh, I think he can be. I think he was probably our best scorer this year, to be honest with you. And he, but he's got to play more than 22, 25 minutes a game. This guy he needs to start. He needs to play thirty five minutes a game. It, it's that simple. I, I know he missed the first half of the year, whatever. Uh, but I love him. I think that's a good piece. I, I and I know that. I, I totally agree, and I will admit fully that Severe Wheeler is a flawed player at this point. But while he's flawed, I still think he's a dynamic point guard. And what he's in, when you look at what he can do with that, with the dribble penetration, I think that's an absolute weapon. But like I said, the problem is we don't have enough shooters to, to consistently knock down the shots that he creates. Uh, he's not perfect, but I think he can be a dynamic guy, especially if he continues to learn to how. Well, not continues if he just ever learns how to shoot. And then you've got. Tumani Kamara, who is still relatively new to the game, to be honest, out of Belgium, but he has tools. Like he has, like, am I crazy if I said he has NBA tools? Curtis, is that insane? Uh, I don't think it's insane. He's just, he's just raw. Yeah, he, he, the athleticism, the tools are there for him to be an NBA type guy. He's not close to being an NBA guy right now, but you see flashes of. Him. I mean, he can be a he can be a, a shot blocker coming from the help side, coming from the weak side. He can knock down threes at times, not 
consistently enough, but he's shown he can't. He even showed a little bit of a face-up game late in the season, which I've been calling for him to show, and he showed he flashed it. He didn't show consistently, but he flashed it. He still doesn't have a great feel for the game. Um, he he runs over defenders far too often. Uh, he, he's got to create. A, he's got to develop a jump stop. All those kind of things. He's very raw. You're right, but I think he's a guy that can continue to grow. And I think he grew from year one to year two. I think he can grow even more from year two to year three. So if you look at Severe Wheeler, you look at Tamani Kamara, you look at Katie Johnson. That's a good solid core. Then you have Jackson Edder coming off the bench. Fagan, if he stays around, doesn't need to start, but he could be a complimentary guy, a guard that can play, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game if you need him to. And then you go find some shooters and a little bit of size down low. And then I think that we can at least compete for that uh, for a spot in the tournament. Now, that's a lot of ifs. Are those guys continuing to take the next step? Will Wheeler become a better shooter? Will Kamara develop his game even more? I don't know. Will Tom Crean go out and recruit better shooters and, and a little bit more size? I don't know. But if we do those things, like, it's not impossible. And with college basketball, the way you can go recruit the transfer portal now, like it, you can turn a team around in a year. You definitely can. We just got to get the size and the shooters is what it comes down to. But You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, we, we've got to go here next, Curtis. We've kind of been tiptoeing around the issue, but we got to move here next. After three seasons on the job and zero NCAA tournament berths, as you might imagine, some people in the fan base, a lot of people in the fan base, I, I think I would dare say, have lost patience with Tom Crean and won and gone. They want him out. They want to cut ties. Uh, it doesn't seem uh, as though that's going to happen, though, uh, right, at least right now, because usually if a coach is going to get fired – it happens the Monday after getting left out of Selection Sunday, or if you make the tournament the Monday after you make an unexpected early exit. But that still isn't stopping people from getting on social media and on message boards, calling for Crean to get the ax. You, you see it all over the place, paying attention. And Curtis, I don't, I really don't know where you stand on this because we haven't really talked about it much this season. But are you ready to jump on the fire Tom Crean train? Are you ready to move on, or are you more in favor of giving him another year? Uh, I mean, realistically, I. Actually, would I think I would jump on the fire Tom Crean train. I think the biggest reason is why I mentioned earlier is that the lack of young talent outside Katie Johnson is worrying and troublesome. And yeah. right now, I have no faith in him correcting that right now. And I think that's the biggest reason. I, I honestly don't have confidence in his skills at scouting players and getting them in. It, it, look, I, I, I don't have insight. Well, Talking to and I have people. a coach in mind who I want them to hire. It'll who never happen. Want? But I, the, you know, this guy at some small school and not called Iona. <laughs> you really? You think he would? You think he would take the job? You think Patino I mean, would take? Get it? him back to the big, to the big, you know, to the big, big leagues compared to Iona. And it'd be I, a challenge. Okay. I, I think he would take it because look, he's getting up in age. He's getting up in years, and if whoever offers him a chance to get back in the Tower 5, he'd probably take it, even if it is Georgia. Right? Remember, remember all those years ago, people were talking about Bobby Knight, right? When we yeah. fired, when we hired uh, 
Mark Fox. It's kind of that thing. It's like, well, I don't have any options right now. But I don't think that would happen just because it would never happen. But I mean, shoot, yeah. if you're really wanting to, to send if you want to win, especially if you're the new AD and you're wanting to show, hey, I want to win, and I might go a little outside the box and let's make it happen. That that's the higher you make. Yeah, if you want to win for sure. But the thing is, we've already had I don't want to say corruption. We've had scandal in our basketball program before, and I'll, I'll, yeah, it's doing it the right way hasn't worked at all. Right. Our, our, but our athletic department, you know this, Curtis. I mean, you know, we're just risk averse in our athletic department. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, we're not all in on winning. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I think there's merits on both sides of it. Like, I think you can go all in on winning without cheating. Like, like if you do your research on Rick Pitino and you're like, you know what? Yeah, he's made mistakes and there were some things that followed him places here and there. But he's maybe he won't do that again because he realizes, like, he's going to be under the NCAA microscope. And we bring him in, and maybe you know he gives us a couple years and makes us relevant. Like I, I'm not necessarily opposed to at least kicking the tires around on that. I mean, one. yeah, I just the fact of the matter is I just have no confidence in Crane bringing in the talent we need recruiting wise, and you can't build a team truly from the transfer portal. Uh, but it's because easier because for the most part, if they're leaving, there's a reason they're leaving. Most good players don't exactly leave. Yeah, I mean, Tom Crean is, I mean, I don't think it's much of a secret. He's not the most, um, he's kind of an awkward guy. Like, I'm an awkward guy, so I'm not, it's not criticism. I'm just like, the word around town is that he's not necessarily the most um, personal guy with players and even like coaches around the state. He's just kind of an awkward, strange bird, um, for lack of a better term. You know, and he's not, you know, he doesn't have natural recruiting ties to the South. And when Abdul Rahim, when he left to go to Kennesaw, uh, Kennesaw State as the head coach, that really kind of hurts us. Chad Dollar is a guy that I thought who's got some ties in Georgia. Because originally, Crean really did hire a good staff that had some more ties in Georgia that could go out and recruit. And that helped us recruit guys like Anthony Edwards and Tamani Kamara and Severe Wheeler. But now that Rahim's left, we're, I mean, we don't. We're not recruiting well right now, and I think that's a large part because of Tom Crean, and he's got to find some guys and go out and actually recruit some players, and that's a problem. But look, all right. So you're ready to move on, really? Are you ready? Like, well, like I mean, right I haven't, now, like, like you said, you're talking about the staff, but at this point, it's too late for next year almost. So we're, next like, year, yeah, then, yeah. Then you're a whole another year behind. So then it's like Mark Fox. You're going to keep giving him another year to hopefully he turns around. That's what the conversation will be yeah. next year. I mean, he's going to hit the the trail hard, and realistically, at this point, we're two years out. Here's what I would say. I look if if we made the change right now, like if Josh Brooks, like while we're recording this episode, if I when we get done, I pull up my phone, I I pull up social media, and I say, "Wow, Josh Brooks has fired Tom Crean." Like I wouldn't be mad. I would like, "Oh my god, what are we doing?" Like I'd be like, "Okay, that makes sense. I get it. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm cool with that." So I I wouldn't be mad if we made a change because I'm not convinced, like you said, Chris, I'm not convinced that he's the guy that's going to take this program to the next level. I'm not convinced that he is. But I'll also say this. I'm also not sure that we can definitively say that he isn't either. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I get it. But he's just, I think you have to take in of everything he's done. I mean, yeah, he's got the Dwayne Wade history and some of these other guys. But if you notice, it's only been one big guy, especially the last, like the la- his last decade. Going off, you know, a lot of things is he hasn't truly built a deep roster. 
I mean, he he recruit like it's weird, but he did recruit some good players, some pretty highly rated guys, and 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 some of the guys that weren't as highly rated, but he developed like Victor Oladipo at Indiana, uh, Brian at Thomas Bryant at Indiana. I mean, there are some guys that he developed. I mean, Dwayne Wade is his like crown jewel that he always wants yeah. to bring up. I'm I just haven't seen him. I just haven't seen him build a depth, and that's Fair. what you see at Georgia. I mean, he, Severe Wheeler, like we said, he he's good, but he has his faults and yet we have to play him practically the entire game or we have zero chance of because our guard play is so because his scary. backup is michael starks did you see the guy play curse i mean god well that's just, what i'm saying and yeah and, I know, you're right and, that, and that's on that's on cream yeah and it's not going to change yeah. next year and you would have thought like okay he had to see what he had this year and put an emphasis on it and there was no, none you yeah see. I, I don't disagree i yeah i mean everything you're saying makes sense that's why i said like i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad if i oh, Pulled up my phone right now. I was like, oh, yeah, Tom Green's fired. I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I get it. I'm fine with that. That's who we're going to get. I, I'm fine. Like, it wouldn't bother me. But, like, though, here's what I keep coming back to. And, may, and I don't know if I'm – like, sometimes I think I'm a crazy person because I keep coming back to this and, like, well, does it necessarily translate because Indiana is not Georgia. Because I mean, Like, Indiana hasn't been great lately, but it's still a different program than Georgia in terms of our basketball history, obviously, right? But if you look at what he did at Indiana – taking over a program that had serious NCAA sanctions left by Kelvin Sampson. And by the way, talking about like hiring guy that had scandal left behind, like Kelvin Sampson gets fired from Indiana and goes to Houston. Curtis, Houston's like a perennial top two or three seed in the tournament now. Right? The last couple of years, they've been yeah. pretty dang good. Yeah. And why? Because Houston was willing to go take a chance on a guy that had. And that's another thing too. Look at Bruce Pearl. I mean, you give, yep. you took a chance. Bruce on him. show calls on him when Auburn hired him. And yet they took a chance and now look. I mean, sometimes I mean, on, if you yeah. keep a close eye on him and move on, okay, you you'd have you'd have the public's approval because you'd say, "All right, we tried it didn't work." You know, we kept a close eye on him, but realistically, I mean, uh. it's almost like we ha- not almost like don't like we have his holier than thou attitude as, as an athletic department, right? We just do. Yeah. Like we want to do it the George way, which I get that. And I, and I take pride in that too. I take pride in us doing it the right way, but does the right way always mean kind of shooting yourself in the foot and not hiring the best coaches? Is I mean, if you means? want to say the Georgia way, then you could almost say, yeah, the way of you almost try to be so self-righteous that you just end up pretty much to the point where you're like, why do we have a basketball program? Right. I mean, we're, if you want to ask the question of why we're not going to be at the highest level in some programs, like, because we don't have the best coaches. What well, like, you hear that I always come back to also is, you know, a lot of people mention the fact that maybe Curry Smart was a little bit of the pushing factor behind Mark Fox being let go because you were taking recruits to these games and then you were getting blown out. It wasn't even competitive. Wasn't Do even you really believe that's true? Because I, I mean, obviously I, mean, I, I heard that around town. I don't, Do know if it's, I don't know if it's true or not, but I wouldn't doubt if you were saying like, hey, let's get something more fun out there to watch, at least maybe an up-tempo style play. I don't know. But either way, it, it basketball is helping no one. No, it's not. No. And, and you'd be crazy. Hey, even Scott, I mean, and I know you could use Scott Strickland as an, a, an example of maybe, hey, letting him ride yeah, it out. Now he built baseball up. But I think you were seeing some good players here and there. But that is a good example, though, right? Though I mean, but here's the thing, like, too, though. A lot I was of, calling, I was calling his, us to fire him after like three years. A lot of his success has come from players returning. You know, some of these upperclassmen like uh, Keegan McGovern and people like yeah. that coming back. But we don't even have guys. I would say, like, if we if they come back, we'll be we'll be ready to go because our talent is still that bad in basketball. Yeah, I mean, you look at Scott Strickland. You have Cam Shepard. A lot of these young players that just finally you know got older and got more mature. But you don't even see that young talent 
in basketball, which is once again, the biggest problem. Do you think if we start winning more, at, you know, maybe this year, if we put together a, a good solid season next year, that, that we can parlay that into more success in the recruiting show? Because that's kind of what Scott Strickland has done. You is could had, say yes, but I, we don't have the talent. Better. Yeah, I mean, that's always possible, but we don't have the talent to do that. That's, 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 that's always the challenge. I mean, you're saying, you you're saying it and or but, but realistically, you have to look at the pieces you have. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, it's almost like when – um, the decision was made to let Mark Rick go. He, you know, he had, they, they apparently had that deal where if he didn't win the championship in the next couple of years, he'd be gone. And they looked at the roster and said, it's not happening. Let's make him, you know, I'm sorry. I know we had that, but let's go ahead. Cause I don't see it being any different. I, that, that's the feeling I have with cream. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and none of that is, I mean, all that's hard. It's hard to argue against that. I would, I would just say like, I mean, I also know COVID has made things harder. Yes, so I'm trying to give him the. Benefit but it's, made, it's made things harder for everyone, but but this year I will say with Cream, we were working on a lot of new pieces and a lot of really young pieces, and we had no off season to do that. That does make it tough. That's true. That's real. And we still had a like what a a two game. I guess it was all of a sudden a two game improvement. In SEC wins. Uh, we did finish with a winning record for the first time under Tom Green. So there was progress this year, and I think that that does need to. I, I mean, I think we do that needs that needs to factor into what we're looking at with Tom Crean. And I'll go back. This is what this is what I was trying to say earlier. Is like when I look at Tom Crean's history, and I look at him taking over Indiana. I kind of got off track here. So he takes over Indiana. First year, six wins. Second year, ten wins. Third year, twelve wins. Year four, twenty-seven wins. Year five, twenty-nine wins. A one seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm not like we are not Indiana. I get that. So I don't expect us to go from 14 wins this year to 27 wins next year. But based off his like, – am I drawing too many conclusions based off that success of building first a program at Marquette and then doing the doing it again at Indiana? Am I drawing too much from I that? I think you are just in the fact that if, if that's your argument, I would like to see who he had on his roster those two years before they started winning. Yeah. Because that's the thing I don't see – once again, I just don't see us having those pieces to make that jump. I mean, okay. do I think he could do it? Yes, but – the pieces just aren't there, and that's just a, a harsh reality. I mean, well, see, I think we do have some pieces. We need more pieces, but I think we have a solid core. If you can go out and add a couple, just a couple of shooters, I think we can be right there. And maybe I'm being too optimistic. I don't know, but I, I think Wheeler, he's not like I said, he's flawed, but he does some things really well. He penetrates, and that's what you need a point guard to do. Number one, he's got to be able to get in the lane and create. He does that very well. Now he's a liability defensively. All that I totally understand. I think Katie Johns can be an elite scorer in the SEC. I think he showed that this year. I think Tamani Kamara has great tools. He's got to continue to improve, but he has tools. I think we have a nice, solid core. We just, But you're right. We do need to add more to it. Here, I'll throw one more name at you. You mentioned Auburn and Bruce Pearl, which is – you're right. I, they, they made a dramatic turnaround. I mean, they're a very good basketball program now. But it wasn't overnight with Bruce Pearl. And historically – we are much closer to Auburn in basketball than we are at Al- than we are to Alabama. So when Bruce Pearl took over Auburn, they goes 15 and 20, 11 and 20 in year two, 18 and 14 in year three, then in year four, 26 and eight. Went four wins in the conference, five wins in conference, seven wins in conference, 14 wins in conference. Right now, Tom Crean is on a very similar trajectory. Now, we don't know if Tom Crean in year four is going to explode onto the scene and, and make a run in the NCAA tournament like Bruce Pearl did in year four. But what I guess what I'm saying is, if Auburn would have fired Bruce Pearl after year three, after four conference wins, five conference wins, seven conference wins, they wouldn't be where they are right now. And that's why I'm kind of hesitant. I don't know. I really don't know if Tom Crean is going to be. I mean, I, I, we're going off all these numbers, but we we also haven't, like I said, pulled up the biggest thing, which is roster and recruiting. Yeah. 
Recruiting is subpar right now. That's got that. That's I mean, that see, that's the biggest problem is outside of Anthony Edwards, who has he truly brought in? I mean, um, uh, KD. Yeah, um, Kate uh, wasn't a big time recruit. Fagan has been, you know, we celebrate getting Fagan at the end as that first guy under Tom Crean. And the guy, maybe he, I mean, he may he's be a good a he, He's a good complimentary guard. That's what he yeah, is. He's, he's not a starter. He's and he's weak. And he, yeah. and that's another problem. Like, I think our, in Georgia in general, we are, a, we just get out physical because we are weak. Outside of Katie Johnson, we don't have one person who's truly tough and going to go at someone. I think Wheeler's tough. He's just Wheeler's smart. tough, but I'm but the fact is he's still yeah. limited. Where Katie Johnson's the only one that can attack the basket and take some hits, or that is willing to take the, the hits. If you see Kamara, he shies away, or you know, there's times he goes he up and he just goes up strong. He gets fouled, but instead he get, he's soft and yeah. won't go up strong. And I think that's the, this entire he's team. Grow. Yeah, he's got. You're right. We've got to get some toughness. We've got to get some shooters. And we didn't mention this yet, Curtis. Defensively, like how much like this is, but this is not a. A new thing for Tom Green. Look at where Tom Green, wherever he's been, defense has been a problem. He's never been a great. Yeah, because defense. the thing is, with even with COVID, we we got we didn't get any better. Yeah, I. It, it, but and here's another issue I have with Tom Green. All right, now I will say I think if I had to lean one way or the other, I would say right now bringing back one more year. We saw some progress this year, even in the context of COVID. So I would say one more year. We see what Bruce Pearl's other guys have done in, in your year four, year five. We saw what Tom Green did in Indiana year four, year five. Again, I'm not convinced that he's going to make a big jump next year. I, it's, I don't. It's 50-50, I guess, for me. But I think right now, bringing back one more year, if we don't see progress, then cut ties. And I'm, I'm talking. And when I say progress, I'm talking NCAA tournament. That's what I'm talking. If we don't make the tournament next year, I'm in a, or or like yeah, I, I, I'm ready to say that. If we don't make the tournament next year, I'm done. Is that fair, Curtis? Am I, am I being too generous? I mean, I think that's the, the farthest you go for it. I, yeah, I can't go much more than that. And like, but like I said, I'll go back to what I was saying. There's like every every point you're making, I, I, it's hard for me to argue with. And I, I would not be upset if there, a change was made. I wouldn't be upset if a change was made, and I wouldn't be upset if we bring him back because um, I'm not convinced either way. I'm, I'm more like wait and see. But just based off his history and what he's done in the past, I would give him one more year because I – I disagree with you a little bit. I do like the core that we have. I agree that we need more pieces, but I think we have a solid core, but it's up to him to go get those other pieces. But then I come back to what you're saying about recruiting, and that's true as well. Like, why would I have any faith in him to go out and get some guys that can actually shoot the ball for next year? I don't know. Why do I, I don't know why I have faith in that. Maybe because I feel like it's an absolute necessity, and how could he not? But I guess you could have said the same thing this past year. I don't know. I don't know. The, a big problem I do have with Kareem, I'll say this, a big problem I do have with him is that it's the same problems over and over again, right? It's it's nothing new. Every year it's the same issue. If we don't shoot well, we turn the ball over like insa- insanity, and we don't defend. I mean, Curtis, we were 334th nationally out of 347 teams in turnovers. I mean, are you kidding me? Think about how many games we could have won this year if we don't turn the ball over almost 20 times a game. It's crazy. And defensively, like, we're – 281st this year in field goal percentage allowed, 320th in points per game allowed. You can't win basketball games like that. So until we fix those things, I don't know if we're going to get to the tournament. Maybe we should just fire him. Is that what we should do? Right I mean, you can you're talking into it. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just a harsh reality. I just don't see us having the pieces to do it next year. Unless these guys, you know, you have some of the space jam where they rub off on some pro players skills. I don't see it happening. Yeah. 
I mean, the roster we have right now is not good. Like, if we kept the exact same roster and just count on them growing more next year, that's not good enough to get us in the tournament. It's just not. Those guys are not good enough. We're going to have to add pieces. The incoming recruiting class, I don't, I don't know if any of those guys are impact year one type guys. They're going to be people that solve guys that solve our issues that we have right now defensively and shooting the basketball. He's going to have to go out in the transfer market and get somebody. And I know this is where you, maybe this is where you're kind of winning me over with your argument, Curtis. I don't know if I should have faith that he's going to be able to do that because he hasn't really done that to date. So why would I think it's going to start happening now? I don't know, man. I see this both ways. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. But um, anything else to add on the team this year, Curtis, with our, our little recap here? Uh, it mean, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, but, but wouldn't you not say there was progress this year? Like we won some games. We, we, there we was beat progress some in good. places, but like also defensively, where we could, you know, where we could have really made a difference. There was no progress, and it's just, it's just not enough. Yeah, like I get Alabama's good, but you you give up 115 points to Alabama. 115 yeah. points, really? 115 points in college and 40 minutes of play in a college basketball game. 115 points. Like have some pride. I just I don't even understand understand how that's possible. It shouldn't be possible. It's insane that that's possible in an SEC game that we give 115 points. Like those kind of things have to stop. That's the other thing that bothers me with Crane is we have too many no show games. You know what I mean? Like where we just don't even show up. Yeah, there's a, we had way too many just absolute embarrassments this year. Like and, and, you watch and the fact game that like South, South Carolina blew us out both times and they're terrible. Yeah, it's like, okay, cool. We beat a ranked Missouri team. Awesome. We beat LSU. What? LSU's a, a good team. They, they gave Alabama all they can handle in the, in the SEC title game. We, and we should have beaten them twice. We beat Ole Miss twice, who was a good SEC team. They didn't make the tournament. They were right there, like in the next four out, first four out, whatever. They were right there. We beat them twice. But then we get swept by South Carolina? What? We lose at home, at home to Auburn, who is terrible this year? Mississippi State beats us at home by 10? What? I mean, it's just... I don't know. Those kind, those kind of things can't happen. Not as consistently as they do. I mean, it's college basketball. Anybody can lose to anybody on any given night. It's just the way college basketball works. But we lose to anybody, to these nobodies. I mean, we're kind of a nobody. But we lose to teams that we shouldn't lose to far too often. And not just lose them. Get blown out twice by South Carolina. And you're right, Curtis. They're terrible. There's zero excuse for them. It's after games like that where I'm like, all right, fire the guy. And then he goes out and he beats LSU, beats Missouri. And I'm like, oh, wow, we actually – like, I see the progress. I see that maybe we can be good. If we just give him another year, maybe next year can be the year. So, I don't know. I fluctuate. I know I'm being wishy-washy here. But, like I said, I would be – I'd be okay if we fired him. I'd be okay if we kept him. I'm not convinced either way. Um, there was a little bit of progress this year. But, again, there's too many of the same issues that we see over and over again. I don't know. I don't know, man. So, real quick, Kurt, before we get out of here. So, a couple of these guys that are grad transfers that we brought in this year – they could potentially choose to use that extra year of COVID eligibility. Justin Kyer, PJ Horn, Andrew Garcia, name a couple of guys. Would you would you want any of those guys to choose to come back next year? Um, if I had to choose, I'd probably go with Horn and Kyer of the two. I mean, Garcia didn't really truly bring. But, but Garcia was a six six player forced to play center. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. Like you're wasting him, so why keep him? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what's his role going to be. Because we're going to have Kamara on the team. What's his role going to be? He's going to play center again? No, that's, he's not going to play center. Not in the SEC. Kyer, see, I would I would be, I would would be, welcome Kyer back. I know he was hot and cold. There were some games where he was just absolutely dreadful from the floor. He couldn't, couldn't hit anything. But there are other games where he'd knock some shots down. But where I like Kyer, I think he was our best perimeter defender. Now, on a very bad defensive team. But for a while, he was leading the SEC in steals. 
I think he's a good defender. Maybe not an elite defender, but a good SEC defender. And can and can knock some shots down here and there. Shot about 35% from the field. What exactly did he shoot? So I can pull this up. He shot on the year from three. Shot 36%, which is fine. That's solid. That's decent. I would welcome Kyer back. Do, do I think Kyer needs to start? I mean, I wish he had better players, so he wouldn't have to start. I would welcome him back. P.J. Horn, I mean, I don't know. He, he was okay. Horn's got to learn to shoot from somewhere other than the corner, though. From the corner, Well, just yeah. like going back to Tom Crean, why is the play you draw up for someone like P.J. Horn to take a shot from the top of the key? I he never make no, a shot. Have, no explanation. No, I mean, His spot is the corner. He just hangs out. He just makes – he camps out in the corner, and that's his spot. And he's streaky, too. So, I mean, look, we need shooters, and he was pr- – him and Katie were our two best shooters on the team this year. So, sure, if he wants to come back, I'd keep – because, like, you have to think about the guys that we're going to go get on the transfer market, are they better than Justin Kyrie and P.J. Horn? I'm not sure they would be, right? So, if they want to come back, I would probably be like, cool, okay. And, I mean, it depends on the scholarship situation. I get that. And, look, I'm not saying these guys are saviors. Again, like I said, if we had the same rosters we had this year, we're not making the tournament. We've got to go get some other impact guys. I, uh, but I would, I mean, I think those guys can be pieces to a team that could potentially make a run to the NCAA tournament. I don't know. I think I'd take them back. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy days to listen to us here. We'll be back next week with some more football talk. Of course, we'll be covering spring practice. Thanks for indulging us with a college basketball talk today. It's probably be the last Georgia college basketball talk we have until next basketball season. So, those of you who like basketball, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be, we'll be back with some football stuff next week. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.